Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast by the host and or the guest do not necessarily reflect the views of the host and or Paranormal Buzz Radio and or its sponsors. Use of any material produced by Paranormal Buzz Radio without express written consent is prohibited. Paranormal Buzz Radio will not be held responsible for you holding your knees, crying and rocking in a corner in a puddle of your own urine, or being beheaded by a group of children in a cornfield. In fact, if you come across a group of children in a cornfield, we promise to make fun of you as you run away screaming in terror. Listener discretion is advised. Paranormal 5 is bringing you Parapeeps New England to help showcase some of the best in the paranormal and unexplained in the area. Their goal? To show the strength of paranormal unity by giving everyone in the field a voice. Join them as they discuss everything from haunted locations, aliens, metaphysical, cryptids, and much, much more. So sit back, enjoy the show, and as always, thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back. This is season number two, if you can believe that, of New England Parapeeps. Uh, again, my name is Rich. I'm Missy. And we are of Paranormal 5, a Maine-based paranormal family. Uh, first of all, just want to thank everybody who came back. Uh, we took a, a month off to kind of get prepared for season two. Uh, a couple of things that will be different this time around. Uh, we're actually going to be releasing two episodes a month instead of just the one episode, so we're excited for that. Uh, we're still going to be looking to interview a bunch of people local that are here in the field, uh, as well as this season we're going to talk some of our own stories uh, and share some stuff uh, from us to you as well. So uh, we are super excited tonight to have with us uh, Luke Jackson of Maine Paranormal Society. So without further ado, Luke, how are you tonight, sir? I'm well. What's up, paranormal people? No, no, not much at all. We are super excited. I was just letting everybody know that uh, you are starting off our second season of New England Parapeeps, so uh, congratulations. We're super happy to have you be the guy. Yeah. No You're, pressure, right? No pressure no at all. Pressure Don't screw all. it up or nothing. That's okay. This is a very, like I said, uh, we talked about the, the 1.8 million. They won't, be, they won't be dissatisfied with you, so... Uh, so, Luke, what we want to do, and like what we do with everybody, uh, kind of the, the typical jumpstart question, if you don't mind, could you please kind of introduce yourself and let us know what it is that got you into the paranormal field, uh, and, and what got you going on all this? What set you on this path? Yeah, so, um, I am the team lead for Maine Paranormal Society, and I've been with Maine Paranormal Society and been doing this now 
for since 2009 um and it's been it's been an amazing adventure um what got me really into being curious about the paranormal is you know having some experience i think for a lot of people it's having an experience at some point in their lifetime mine mine happened early on in my lifetime so when i was when i was a kid um and then when i was uh in in high school and, and in college so um okay, so different different periods throughout your life different periods of my life yeah and i think the one that sticks with me the most was when i was in college and then uh we came back to my uh, we were spending the holidays at my grandparents' house in Freiburg, Maine, which is a very old, one of the, I think it's the oldest town in Oxford County. Yes, I think you're right. And they lived in a 300-year-old house, um, colonial house, I believe. And um, Anyway, so there's... Uh, there's the interesting thing about it is there's an underground railroad tunnel that goes in the from the basement under the main street of Freiburg to where the post office is there and that that uh, I guess at one point where the post office was used to be some type of tavern back okay. a long time ago mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> it was used to uh, you know shuttle slaves through and so it was you know we were spending the night it was Christmas time and it was like the middle of the night and it sounded like I woke up because I heard like a troop of people running down the hallway um, right outside my door. Oh, wow. We were all upstairs. Everybody's in their own bedroom. And, and it just sounded like, you know, like, like, like a troop of people just, sure. you know, I, I just can't, I don't know how many, but there was more, than, I know there was more than one. It sounded <laughs> like a lot of people running up and down the hallway. Um, and so then I was just like, like, whoa, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you know, you get older, right? And you think, well, the stuff maybe that happened to me when I was a kid, you know, maybe I can just kind of explain it away. Maybe I didn't right, really, I was a kid, you know. I was young, right. And then when you're like in your 20s and you're like, whoa, okay. So, um, you know, I slept on the couch downstairs the rest of the night and I just kind of, <laughs> and then when I woke up, then my sister was on the other couch and I was like, did you hear something too, like last night? And she's like, oh yeah, you know, so. Um, shared experience that's awesome but then you have this epiphany like years later right that happened you know a long time ago because I'm old now but uh, are we all then I'm thinking to myself you know what time of night would you have shuttled slaves out of your house right should have been in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. so very hastily you know very hastily (laughs) and maybe it's just an imprint of that you know um and maybe it there, I think there was a fire there at one point too a long okay. time ago. So uh, it could be something to do with that. Maybe you know mm-hmm. people running out from the fire. I think some people were did lose their life in that. So uh, yeah, and it's like right up the street from the Admiral Perry House, which is another place right oh, there. Yeah. Forever, we so. love the Admiral Perry it, House. Yes, yeah. Yes, so it's a cool spot, and um, but yeah. So, but yeah, ever since you know you get that experience, and then you you work, you know. You try to figure out what you want to do, and if you actually want to pursue, sure, kind of work, uh, working in the paranormal field and trying to help people and trying to help yourself, and that's kind of how it all got started. So, at, at the time of that experience, though, had you have you kind of had you gotten onto any kind of a, a you know, were you already interested in the paranormal? I mean, was that just a 
the eye-opening experience, or were you already somewhat into it at that point? Oh, I mean, as a kid, yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah, for sure. As a kid, I was like, oh, oh, I loved Ghostbusters, and I'm a child of the 80s, right? So I loved real Ghostbusters. I loved Ghostbuster movies. Nice. I loved anything to do with uh, cryptids, paranormal, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. You know, mm-hmm. if it was, if it had anything to do like that, sure, I was all about it. Awesome. And then, you know, just, you know, having some experiences when I was a little younger, um, you know, and not really knowing, did I, you know, was that real or not? And then, like I said, you kind of have more as you're growing up, and then you kind of like, okay, like this is real, you know? And then once you have, you know, and then all the other things that have happened to me through the last 12, whatever, how many years it's been with MPS, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's been, yeah. <laughs> it's been crazy, right? So Awesome. Awesome. So from this like experience that happened, what kind of led you to be like, okay, I'm going to start diving into, like, I want to investigate. I want to figure, like, what kind of took on that yeah. role? Like, I think, you know, I went, I'm, uh, on my junior year of college, I went on a study abroad, and we were in, we were based out of Oxford, England, but then we got to travel on some long weekends that we had. We were there for a bit, like a month, and... Uh, on my on my trip to uh, Scotland because I want to you know I'm Scottish I'm part Scottish and I wanted mm-hmm. to check out Loch Ness so I did that and that was pretty cool and then I when we got, when we got to Edinburgh I did one of the ghost tours there it was the most haunted ghost tour because obviously in Edinburgh they have the vaults right that they yeah. unearthed under the city which you know body snatchers would take bodies down there mm-hmm. they also had like you know, shops and stuff down there, cobblers, uh, and all different types of um, working people um, were down in these vaults as well. And, um, you know, they were leading us through the tour and they were talking about different, you know, entities that people might have experienced down there mm-hmm. at one time or another. And then some of the stories of people that had, you know, perished down there. And I remember we were in this one room, and I, uh, and it's you know it's kind of dimly lit around the corners and stuff. And I saw like motion out of the corner, in this little dark corner, and it was like a little shadow person, like poke their head out. I could see head and shoulders, and then it just like went back in. Wow. It was just the craziest thing I'd ever seen, and I was really like looking at everybody. Uh, that was we were in a group of people, and I'm like. What just happened? Did you guys see that? You know, uh, and I think one other person kind of saw the motion, mm-hmm. um, but I saw it full on and um, kind of retreated back into this corner, and then it was just gone. And then I was just like, okay, you know, type of deal. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, and I had and there's another place into that when I was in college, I was still interested in it, so I'd always try to find something to do you know there was another uh town outside of where i was at uh, uh about a 30 45 minute drive it was called anson texas and they're famous for the anson lights okay so what you're supposed to there's like a story of like this woman who's been searching for her kids and if you drive down uh this dirt road and there's there's like a uh, i think it's like a a cornfield and a graveyard 
things kind of in between and you turn your car around you flash your lights three times and you turn off and then you turn off your car lights and you wait these ghostly lights appear and they start coming down the road towards you and it's supposed to be like her lantern light that she was searching for the kids mm-hmm. I mean it's kind of a familiar story you kind of hear this on um you know, some other tales, right? Yeah, I've heard of it, like, on railroad tracks and stuff like that. Yeah, Right. I mean, they all kind of take on their own... Sorry, go ahead. But but I swear to God, like, it happened. Like, you flick, you know, and I was just trying to figure it out because you're sitting there in pitch dark, you flash your lights, like, I had a couple other people with me, we're just sitting there waiting. Yeah. And then these, like, this, like, dim light, this, this, like, appears, like, in the middle of the road, like hundreds of feet away and then it's coming closer to you and so you're just sitting there and you're like what is this like what you know what i mean like is it traffic like like way far on the horizon right Mm -hmm. that's and it's running a certain way and it kind of you know i was just trying to run everything through my head is it somebody with a flashlight like i just like mess with people because everybody comes out here Mm -hmm. so then i just was like all right whatever so i just start Turn my lights on. I just start gunning it towards it because I was like, I gotta figure out. I, I gotta figure this out. I yeah. like this. Yeah. And, there's, and then it just disappeared. There's nothing there. There's like no person. You know, if it was a person, I would have seen them with my headlights. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Well, that's gotta be. It, it was really weird. It's gotta be an intense experience because I'm sure there's a part of you that goes like, okay, this is local lore. This is, you know, right. let's just go. You know, you go in there just to kind of yeah. make fun and poke fun at it, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh crap. Right. This I just got real. the exact response. Like, I got to right, figure this out. We were just going there to scare ourselves. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, uh, we, you know, and we were all like, okay, I think it's time to go. Like, once we got back to the edge of the road, mm-hmm. and then there were some more people coming in to do the same thing. We were just like, yep, yeah, peace out. You know, and it wasn't like, it wasn't their headlights coming in. Like, this was, like, as soon as we got to the end of the road and we were turning out, then, like, more people were turning in. So, yeah. um, but yeah, you can look it up. Like, if you Google ants and lights, it'll come up. You can read like a whole bunch okay. of stuff about it, but it's pretty cool. No, that awesome. is very it interesting. Is. So, so tell us. You, you had mentioned that um, you know uh, earlier that uh, you are the the lead for Maine Paranormal Society. So, tell us a, a little bit about Maine Paranormal Society and how did you get involved with the group? Yeah. So when I uh, how I got involved is I I moved back from school. I'm from Texas back to Maine and it was 2008 uh, you know fall of 2008 um, and then I was just kind of doing my own thing and then it got into 2009 I started searching um, around for things to do uh, I found um, the TAPS boot camp which was going to be a hell at the Spalding Inn yeah. so I went and I signed up for that, and I went for the weekend, uh, the TAPS boot camp weekend there, and uh, it was great, you know, um, learned a lot, it was kind of like uh, Paranormal Investigating 101, and they had like, you know, talked about cases, you know, it was Jason and Grant and a bunch of other people, awesome. um, and it's at the, at the inn that they, don't, that they owned at the time, right. and a very haunted inn, sure, they're right in New Hampshire, and so it was right? just a really great experience. That is really cool. And so did. And then that, well, I was gonna well, say. They so, had a whole, well, they had a whole section. Sorry, they had a whole thing about, um, you know, looking for a team and starting your own team. And starting my own team kind of felt like it would be a very, like, big task for me at the time because sure. I really didn't know what I was, mm-hmm. you know, getting into. And then I figured I would look for a Taps family team, 
and then that's what fa- that's how I found Maine Paranormal Society, searching for uh, through the TAPS website, and then finding through the state of Maine like what group was TAPS family, mm-hmm. uh, and then I contacted them for what seemed like months uh, because <laughs> at the time I think they were checking. I don't even remember because this was back when like you know MySpace was on. Sure. You know, you know, it was just a different. You know, so I was trying to message them or email them through their website. Um, which I think was under construction, so it's kind of like um, it took a while. Yeah, it took a while, and then I finally got the interview, and then uh, then here we are. Uh-huh. Look at you now. You're, That's so, right. That's right. so your team leader. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Correct. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if that's the title I have to be given, then yeah, it was kind of by default. See, I always hear you're a Bosch man. Leadership had moved away. (laughs) (laughs) So what was that, Richie? I said, we always just, you know, we hear it as Boss Man, so that's got to be team lead. Oh, yeah, Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. So obviously you know that we did the interview with Jen a couple episodes ago and her yeah. role with um, MPS and her role is being case manager. So what's kind of mm-hmm. the difference between case manager and team lead? If there is yeah. like any big difference. I mean, not really, you know, really a lot of the time Jen tells me what we're doing and where we're going, right? Mm-hmm. So. I would argue that she's the team lead, but, uh, and I had initially started out this whole process as the tech manager, right, back yeah. in the day, so, yeah. uh, you know, you're still an investigator, you're just trying to help Jen, you know, and then figure out what we're doing, where we're going, what cases we have, mm-hmm. you know, if we're doing other things, like public events, things like that, yeah. and then just trying to be friendly with people and because yeah. I think for a little while for a couple of years there being paranormal I feel like we had the reputation of oh they're Taps family they think they're so cool yeah uh, we don't want to talk to them and the paranormal community is kind of like high school right sure so it can be yeah unfortunately um, especially with some of the things that happened in the last uh, month or so in the out there in the a social media universe but I won't get into that but so um, but yeah so but I think it's just you know letting people know yeah we're cool like we we're just like you guys you know we all have different investigating styles Mm -hmm. Um, and you know that's cool like we can all investigate in different ways and still you know uh, have passion for the paranormal helping people and yeah. And all that. And so I think once we've made those connections with people and other groups here in the state of Maine, because um, I think when we started, there was probably like a handful, mm-hmm. right? Now there's probably like 80. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. You know, in just the state of Maine. So. Well, and um, I can kind of see that dilemma too, you know, as far as, because I feel like at a time, 
you know, when you, when you thought about taps and you thought about what they represented, mm-hmm. it was almost like you had the way that taps would do things, and then you had the wrong way, and that was almost like <laughs> the, that, that was almost yeah, like the yeah, feel. Yeah. But but I feel like now, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I feel like now there's been such a huge shift in the field, like you said, going from maybe ten groups mm-hmm. in the area to eighty yeah. plus. But you've also got all these different styles, and I think that. Uh, sure. With that and the ability to, like you said, moving out of the MySpace world and having more connections and and more communication amongst all these teams, everything becomes so much more acceptable. And you see that there are multiple different ways of doing things, and and they kind of all overlap in a sense. Yeah, I mean, I think with the taps mentality of is you try to debunk everything, mm-hmm. which I enjoy. I know you are a great debunker and I have to say like even going back to your story about the lights in Texas you were trying to debunk it then so you were just a natural debunker I think that's awesome no no, no big deal I'll give it I'll give that one to you (laughs) well you know what it is it's um, I think when and I think it's a little bit of it is you know when you have an experience and you know you experience something and then you're you know you're you're really trying to also prove it to yourself on every investigation right. i feel like again to yourself that i did i really experience that because when you're trying to debunk something that somebody else has experienced and you really can't you know it makes me feel better about the things i've experienced you know what i mean so mm-hmm. um but you know there is a place for debunking because you want to try to figure out you know we're in the business of helping people and it's not even a business we do this on our own dime our own you know own money own gas own travel yep you know uh you know we don't get paid um and so you know we really are passionate about this and we look at it as living history especially here in the state of maine yes uh, and for a brief time, we were covering Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont, like when we first, when I first started with the group. Yeah. So, but debunking, is, I think, is a, is, a, is a good thing to do because, you know, sometimes it can just settle people right down. Like, you, you will go into a place and people are very scared and, um, you know, they are looking for help. And then if you're able to you know do a thorough investigation and and check out the emf levels in the house and and check out the plumbing and check out the elect you know the electrical um and then any other you know drafts if you could find drafty windows things like that like if you can put up if you know say they have high emf they've got drafty windows they've got bad plumbing yep you know they may be the emf might be making them hallucinate a little bit i mean it gives me a headache for sure uh, I can't be in a place with high EMF for a long time. It makes my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, that could be a, a way to explain what's happening to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then if we are able to still experience something, you know, full-bodied apparition shows up in the middle of the room while we're there. Obviously, it's not just that stuff, right? So, right. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's, that's huge, too, because, again, you know, um, you know, have, having gotten to know you and gotten to know Maine Paranormal Society and being such in a rooted in, like you said, helping people and really helping them to not only just deal with their situation, but help to understand it. And I, I think you would be doing no justice if you walked in and just amplified somebody who's already in fear or is already in, you know, total just chaos mode where if you can go and give them, 
you know, you know, he, okay, you told me ten things. Well, eight of them here are perfectly good explanations for it. Now let's focus on, you know, these other two and how to work with that. And you completely tone down a scenario to people rather than, you know, yeah, you've got demons in here. It's time to run. You know, it's not that, it's not that mentality. You know, and right. I, I think that's very important. You know, when you're dealing with, you know, uh, these these private investigations in the, in these home situations. And it's a very delicate thing. You're walking into somebody's home. Um, they're probably on edge, mm-hmm. right? And you you kind of have a sense, hopefully, of what's going on before you're in there. If you're doing your due diligence and and vetting your your case and the people that are involved and everything, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you always want to fi- try to find out. You know, you have to ask some personal questions. Some people will answer, some people won't, you know, about mental health and medications and you try to get the whole picture right and you try to know what you're getting into because it is a delicate situation um and like you said people are scared people are on edge um you're going into their home you know you want to try to be um helpful you want to try to help them as best you can some people you can't help you know some people it's just they have it set in their mind that they have a level three demon in their house and you know uh and what who know who else you know really what's going on but if you we've done cases like that where we didn't find anything right you know the house sounded like hell house right and then we get there we do a thorough investigation and nothing happened you know this was a place that the like all the kitchen cupboard doors were supposed to be swinging open sure, and closed and the basement the door was yeah. supposed to be banged <laughs> on every you know 10 minutes pounded on and yes um and you know it's just but like i said we're there maybe one night sometimes two depending on where we're going and how long you know if it's a weekend case mm-hmm. and most of our cases are on the weekends but like it's just a snapshot so just because we don't catch something doesn't necessarily mean nothing's going on. Right. You know, you have that happen too where people are kind of let down and then you have to explain to them that it's like, you know, with TV or what you see on TV, uh, even with ghost hunters or what have you, they're there for like a week at a time and then everything is compiled into a one-hour episode, right? Exactly. So, it, you know what I mean? So, um but once you kind of go through it with people and you make them comfortable with it and say you do get a, uh, an EVP of a relative and they thought they had a demon in their house, you know, it really kind of like puts them at ease. Mm-hmm. If you get an EVP of like their grandfather, you know what I mean? Or their great grandfather when they thought it was something scary. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, yeah. So. so do you think that the tell, like how TV portrays like paranormal investigating, like do you agree with like how they do it on TV and how like people are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I think there's the the I think there's certain. I mean, I kind of I'm biased, right? So, I think there's certain shows that I think have a better way of uh, portraying it. I mm-hmm. think when Ghost Hunters first came on, back in like what was it, two thousand? Was it two thousand and one or six? I thought it was 2004 or 2006 or 2005 know, or something you, like that. You know more than I know. Maybe 2004. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, you got to see, like, a team for the first time. You know, I think everybody was like, wow, 
like people actually do this but they're organized and they're not like crazy and they're not you know um they're not just going in there and you know pumping people up and getting them all scared and stuff you know it was kind of just a methodical going they almost, in they normalized it everybody <laughs> you know they it. normalized it you yeah. know and and it was just so it was the coolest thing and i think um and i think it's just for shock value i think you know every other show after that that has been like a clone mm-hmm. of ghost hunters uh adds more fear and shock and everything is scary into it just for ratings sure. right and entertainment or, to it. <laughs> yeah and I, but i think there's some that are doing it to show like there's some newer ones i think are cool like where you just there you know like ones that where they're staying at a location overnight and they're just trying to expose themselves to mm-hmm. see how if they could handle being there yeah yeah which is an interesting it's an interesting um experiment which I, I i kind of enjoy that but there are other ones that are basically you know uh ghost hunters light that are you know just really into it for um the fear and scary you know you know people are scared or or every situation is a very scary, dire situation, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of places where a lot of death happened, a lot of death occurred, and, and those places do have activity. Um, but it's not necessarily like um, every place is demonic or every place is malevolent, mm-hmm. right? I Absolutely. mean, a lot of people died at Gettysburg. A lot of people died on Omaha Beach in Normandy. Yeah. You know, those places they just feel different because of the amount of life lost right absolutely so the amount of imprinted energy there so yes so uh through mps you've gotten to do a lot of different styles of investigation you 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 know you guys have taken on a lot of the home cases a lot of the actually going in to help a family you've also had opportunities to do a lot of what we like to joke as and call it the pay to plays the public events the um you know where you just where, where you can kind of let your guard down and you're not necessarily there to 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 be you know the source of relief for somebody so for you explain the difference in the two as far as the mindset going into either a home investigation versus a you know somewhere where you're just going to capture your own evidence and and which which do you prefer um and, and why you know i think they're both depending on the person they both will fill your cup right mm-hmm. you know if you're if you if you like the paranormal if you're um <clears throat> interested in the subject and pursuing it i think if you um go to a pay-to-play you know event uh like parsons field right yep. we were all at parsons field seminary which was a great time and we had a couple different teams there to help out um and uh, everybody that had you know purchased a ticket for the event and helped them you know go through the different buildings and you know it was a great time just to you know um be with like-minded people and answer their questions and you know share an awesome location with them which is a great which is a great right fills your cup that way and then you know um when you are doing a residential case be it a taps uh, taps family case or one of our main paranormal cases that we get directly um you know we're still you're still in it to help people and i think you know we try to go into that 
and we're all on board on that mindset when we go into an, a location, a residential location to help somebody or a business. We do we do help some business owners, and you know I think that also fills your cup when you're able to you know help them calm down, help them be more comfortable with the situation, help them you know look at it as living history. Or help, or f- help them find additional help if it's something that we can't handle. You know, if it's something that we can document and get some evidence to show somebody else to say, you know, if the person does want a cleansing or they do want an exorcism of their house or somebody in the home, then we can help that way too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, by documenting and providing them with evidence that we've gathered or or reasons why we think that. It may be mental health or something like that. You know what I mean? And try to just help help people one way or the other. So I think both both of them fill my cup. So I think that's you know I I, I enjoy both of them for sure. Awesome, awesome. No, I, I definitely I uh, you know again when we we're talking to Jen about it, I had with the Lucky Land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Asked a similar question, and, you know, I think, and, and big thanks to you guys, you know, as you've brought us on some cases as well and asked us to, to be a part of what you guys have going on, but just yes, seeing that sure. process of the, you know, going into a home and learning a family story and watching them walk through the whole process start to finish. It's got, I mean, I love the pay to plays. I love going to these places, these notorious places that you know you're going to try to get something. <laughs> you're going to have right. a good time with good people, but the, the emotional side that is attached to helping somebody and legitimately helping somebody, not, you know, somebody who's got reasonings to be worried and they're trying to figure it out too. It's just, it provides such a level of, uh, uh just good feels and for, for the individual going to help. And it's just, it's a, it's a whole nother side that we've gotten to experience. Uh, and it's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's very powerful. It is. You know, especially yeah. and if you're involved in cases that have, you know, children involved, you know, I'm a parent and, you know, you guys are parents, and it's you. You, you know, you put yourself in that spot. Like, if all this stuff is going on in my house, and my kids are scared, and we are all kind of having experiences, I would be looking. You know, take me out of this. I'm not in the paranormal, but if I was just a a, a lay person to the paranormal, right? Sure. And and this all this was going on, yeah, I would be scared. You know, and uh, so yeah, I think you know. Like I said, they're both great. Like you said, they're both great. And it's just you you definitely have takeaways from either of them. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I like that. So do you mind telling us about your opinion and your philosophy on tools within the paranormal field? 
and what kinds uh, would you prefer? Are we talking about equipment? Are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> so which ones would you prefer? Which ones would you not want to use? And maybe yeah. a little bit especially of explanation as, as to why. And especially as coming from the background, you know, the you know, starting out as MPS as the tech manager. You know, you were definitely yeah, right. hands-on with a lot of this equipment. And then also just taps. Like, I feel like they kind of have, like, an expectation of certain tools. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I feel like certain tools are kind of, like, taboo to them. Like, Yeah, yeah, this is the spirit box question. But that's all right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just come uh, on and say it. Uh, Luke, how do you feel no, about spirit okay. boxes? <laughs> just, just get it right out there. Yeah, right. I'll just throw it out there. Um, no, that's all right. That was really good dancing around it, though. Richie came up with that, that question, so good yeah. job. Yeah. Good job, Richie. Yeah, no, I, hey, you know what? That's It's all good. Um, you know, we use a lot of things that are normal things that are used to try to catch things that are abnormal, right? So... We, are, we use voice recorders, we use uh, EMF detectors, uh, cameras, digital cameras, uh, video cameras, uh, infrared cameras, um, flashlights, you know, what have you. And, um, you know, when I first started out, I had a camera, I had an EMF detector, and I had a flashlight. That was kind of what I had. And then I just kind of built it up from there over 12, 13 years. Um, and I, I like for me I like having uh, just if I get an EVP on my recorder I feel like that's like the best evidence right I mean most of the evidence I would say 90% of the evidence we get 90 maybe higher than that is all audio right yeah. um, very little video evidence is ever really captured and if it is it's like once in lifetime moments sure. which may all be compiled on one of these shows here. Um, <laughs> I think there's a show that shows everybody's captured you know, footage, which is cool. Um, but a lot of that doesn't happen. You know, you're never going to see the gray lady walking through the library, um, but you may hear her footsteps, or you may hear her say something to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like getting like a clear Class A EVP, knowing who's in the room, and then knowing the other voice that you capture is not any of those people. Right. And then if it says an intelligent response, a name or, or an answer to your question, I, that's some of the best evidence I like to show to the homeowner or to the business building owner, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then personal experiences, I feel like, you know, we know our bodies, we know how we feel. I feel like that's a great tool. Um, which is, you know, the tool a lot of people have used for hundreds of years, right? Absolutely. And you kind of know when you walk into a place, it feels funky. And what, whatever that is, if it's just our flight or fight or flight mechanism kicking in, or if that's just um, some people are more in tune to energies, you know, uh, I, I, I believe in that. So, um, but when it comes to certain things, you know, there's certain tools and there's there's always new there's always new gear coming out every yeah. month every couple months or right new variations um, of old gear variations of gear uh, you know and I think the spirit box you know uh, ha- has had many different um, incarnations right sure over time I think it was Edison who created the first spirit radio and uh, and then is it was it Frank the uh, Frank's box yes. Frank's, was it Sumption? Uh, 
created the Franks box, which was which he had, I think, if I remember right, had made to communicate with ETs, right? Yes. Um, and then uh, I believe it was Gary Golko that created the SB7, uh, which kind of started the whole Hack Shack, uh, Hack Hack Radio Shack Radio thing. After that, you yeah. mm-hmm. um, the Hack Shack because his, <laughs> I, I think, well, you know, Radio Shack used to sell these radios, yeah. and instead of paying a lot of money people would buy the radio from Radio Shack and then follow instructions how to create it so that it would keep looping, yeah. solder, it, solder it yourself, and then you have a spirit box, right? Yeah. Um, and I think with Gary, I mean, his, I think with the passing of his daughter, he wanted to, I think if I remember the story right, he wanted to make something to communicate with her because they were having experiences, and he came up with the SB7. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, a spirit box is just constantly going to be making, changing radio stations yeah. and do that, you know, that white noise. Yeah. yeah. Now, I will say I've been in the room where there have been some interesting things that come through it, right? Right. Over multiple channel sweeps. But I have to say, the most of the stuff I hear coming through that is just radio, radio jarble, right. right? And I can't believe that spirits are using radio jarble to talk to us. It's just I don't, I don't that this doesn't work in my brain. Maybe I'm wrong, but if I hear maybe the same voice, a clear voice, which I've heard one time over multiple sweeps, um, saying things that you can clearly hear, then that's interesting. Right. Am I still going to say it's spirit communication? I don't know. It's just kind of like the Ouija board thing, right? Right. There's just certain things I, I don't mess with. Uh, anytime you're inviting something in, if a spirit box is essentially electronic Ouija board to me, you know what I'm saying. Sure. So, essentially, you're inviting something through. You don't know what you're inviting through. Um, so, I think there's a little bit of danger there, and I think it can be kind of reckless. And that, and I don't, I, I don't think they should be used on residential cases. You know what I mean? I think that's just always been a hard line I've drawn. Mm-hmm. I don't want to try to like, you know, say that they do work. If this, if this is the, you know, spirit communication radio of the future. Uh, you, why would you want to, you know, bring something? You may maybe open something up into somebody's house. You yeah, know what I mean? Because then you're leaving. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you were leaving afterwards, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. all right, peace out. So, um, but I think there's a lot of con- there's a lot of contamination with them, mm-hmm. and I think anything that you know, like an ovulus, like those talking devices, I think there it's an interesting idea. I'm just trying to figure out, like. You know, there's a word bank. It's reading the energy in the room, and it's just shooting out a word. Yeah. Like I, that's always I my I mean, kind of like my thought on those things. The obvious is a spirit box. It's you know, imagine imagine if I came into a room to you and I had a device and I said, Luke, I need you to communicate with me through this device. You look at me like <laughs> how, like how, like why is it that once you pass over, you all of a sudden have the right. knowledge on how to manipulate this right. this object into doing what you want it to do when you you wouldn't be able to do that on this side, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a great point. And like, yeah, I'm, you know, uh, if I have a crossed over, I'm just a looming spirit. And yes, now I know how to manipulate radio waves. You know, <laughs> this is my superpower now. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just being, that's just me being facetious. Sure. But, you know, I, I, uh, I just, it's not my jam. Like, people yeah. have their jam. Spirit boxes are my jam. Yeah. But I think that's well known with most of my friends in the paranormal community, and they like to make fun of me about it. Um, <laughs> Well, because another, a lot of people like to use them, and they're yeah. they're 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 cool for events. You know, right. people like to 
Well, I think what's funny about because they're seen on TV. Yeah, and I think Ghost. Yeah, I think like Ghost Adventures uses them all the time, right? They always use some type of brand new ITC device, and they're trying to. Um, but they all seem to be like a different version of the same thing, right? And I can understand, I, I can see what they're trying to do. It just it's hard for me to, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to follow the theory, I guess. Well, but I maybe think I'm, one thing that's funny about the spirit box too is that it seems to be a very popular new to the field item so when you go out and you want to start investigating the first thing you want to do is get a spirit box which i think is funny because i think for somebody to truly utilize i I think it needs to be one of the most practiced tools before you can get it right because you really need to be able to have that ability to weed out what you know is not voices you know what i mean because if not you're just hearing everything come through assuming that there's a thousand people in the room want to talk to you but you know that's something where like you know just like with your pendulums or with your uh you know any of those tools that really yeah. you need to master it before you know but it's just funny it's it's, it's such an introductory tool to so many people when i really feel that it, it takes some of the most work if you're going to live and die by the spirit box so to speak exactly i think you know there are some people that i've worked with before and then a few a couple people that were members of mps in the past uh John Huntington, Corey Heinsohn, and they are both uh, pro spear box, and they 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 can do some they, they can get some crazy uh, responses to come through those things. Sure. Mm-hmm. And but I but they use them all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like they are they are well uh, versed in their craft. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, but to, I mean, I don't know. It's just there's certain words that come through the radio, right? And you're mm-hmm. like, they could say a name. And it's just a blurb of the name, but somebody on an actual radio station said it. It's just coming through at the exact moment you might have asked sure. a question. You know what I mean? So there's it, it's. I like to believe that it is, but for me, like it's just it's just too much of a risk. I mean, we're already dealing with a pseudoscience to begin with, right? Right. And so I think trying to take, trying to get as much, uh, you know, clear evidence as we can, like. EVPs or catching stuff on video or getting uh, energy spikes uh, and and documenting documenting doc I can't even talk <laughs> and then writing them down in your notebook you know what I mean? <laughs> EMF level is uh, 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 three hundred and your EMF detector is blanking out in somebody's kitchen uh, then you can say well you know you got some electrical problems exactly. but. No, you know, there's different tools to trade. I love laser grids. I love, you know, anything where you can capture motion, uh, you know, uh, motion lights, you know, stuff that we we use on a daily basis on our house. Yeah. Like motion sensor lights that you can set up and in a house. So if they go off, you're like, oh, something's moving in there. Exactly. So So that kind of just a a sub-question of that too is – if you you could – maybe you've thought of this, maybe you haven't, but what would be a tool – if you were to design a tool, what 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 would what is missing? What is something that you feel would be that you would like you know if you had the the fundage, you had the the backing, what would be a tool that you would like to see come to life or or something you may have thought of that would be useful? Wow, I know. That's a. I know Richie came up with this question hard. too, so you can just get <laughs> mad at him. Wow, I mean, um, wow, I don't know. You know, I think uh, I saw, the one thing I liked that was interesting. Um, that they had on Ghost Nation 
that Steve had, uh, I think he had borrowed from somebody that had made it, was like a, it was like a radar. Oh, yeah. That was sweeping, it was sweeping back and forth. It was on like a control arm yeah. that was motorized. Okay. Yeah, it's for and like so you could, you could set it on oh, the sure, table, sure. Mm-hmm. hook to your laptop, and it would scan the room, and you could see the room mapped out in radar. Oh, okay. Like yep. a fish finder. Like it was like a, it was like a, yeah. it was like almost a fish finder radar. And so you could see, you know, the outlines of the tables and everything. It wasn't like an SLS camera, mm-hmm. you know, which uses the Xbox Connect camera and then, you know, tries to map everything, um, which is another thing that's cool. But I feel like kind of like the spirit box, you get a lot of false hits, right? right. Yeah, sure. It could show a stick figure on the fan across the room or, you know, the, the, the lamp post or, you know, yeah. something like that. So and I think you can also accidentally scan your reflection. Right. If you're close to a shiny surface with those two. Yeah. So, um, but I just thought the radar thing was cool, you know, and that way if there was, you know, you could kind of play with that theory of if, if spirits do have some type of mass when they're, when they've in the room, mm-hmm. then you may be able to map that, you know, if something starts getting closer and closer and closer on the radar, Yeah. you know, you could say we either need a bigger boat or, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> like it. there's a spirit. So... Yeah, I no. think that's cool. I think maybe coming up with something like that. I mean, ultimately, you'd love to make a real proton pack, right? I think that would be cool. Some <laughs> yeah. type of containment system. Yeah, but, um, yeah. you know, the rights would make us rich beyond our wildest yeah, dreams. You know, oh so. gosh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, if you ever come up with it, just remember the little people, okay? <laughs> no, just I'm just quoting Ghostbusters because I've watched it a thousand times. Well, it's okay. I think all of us paranormal investigators have probably watched Ghostbusters a little bit too much. But oh, is there ever, yeah. like, too much? Right. But, no, I yeah. think that that tool is extremely interesting. And I remember watching that episode, and I think that they used it at another one, too. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, like, this is, like... Things you wouldn't even thought of. Yeah, exactly. Like, my mind was blown, and I'm just like, I totally get well, this. Well, I, I think, and, and Luke, you said it best, using everyday things to capture, or using ordinary things to capture unordinary things. Like, that's, that, yeah. that, it, things you just wouldn't think of that have a very viable purpose. I mean, I'll, I'll simplify yeah. that. Look at the cat ball. I know, <laughs> you know exactly. the cat toy. Like, right, that's one exactly. of my favorite Those tools. Those ocean cat you know, balls are, like, great. amazing. Yeah. And they're, you know, you can get them, and they're not very expensive, mm-hmm. and you can set out multiple cat balls, and then once they're set, if something touches them, they go off, and you can see that yeah. when right. you're in the dark because they light up all different colors, right? Yeah. So, I think I get more excited about my cat balls going off than anything. <laughs> than anything else, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it. Uh, what a world we live in, right? Oh, I know. What a, I know. What, a, what a time to be alive. <laughs> I know. Well, it's a great time to be a paranormal investigator. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, Luke, we know a little fun fact about you. And uh-huh. I think that some people that know you personally know this little fun fact, that you actually yeah. filmed a trailer for a television show. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was a you know it was a pilot uh, a episode pilot, not a uh, yeah. shot. Yeah, no, it was a pilot for a show um, on for Travel Channel, which seems to be like the Paranormal Network now. But I'm surprised they haven't um, changed it yet. <laughs> but it's cool. I think they you know they do that because really they're traveling right all across sure. the United States sure. to these places, and it's kind of showing 
you know, these towns in, you know, Illinois or Iowa or Pennsylvania or wherever that people probably wouldn't go uh, unless you live there. Yeah. Wow, there are these, like, you know, giant, uh, majestic, older, gothic structures that have a lot of activity that, you know, and now because of, I think there's paranormal tourism has really come up, right? I think mm-hmm. people are seeking that stuff out. So they're going to these places, which is bringing people to these towns that um, they they obviously would like people to come to right so um but that aside yeah i got to do this uh, a couple years ago and it was uh it was an experience you know it was uh you got to kind of see what it's like with all the you know production people and what it takes to put something like that together on a location that's you know kind of hardcore and um, so we were at Penhurst State School, uh, and if you've ever seen the Suffer the Little Children documentary or oh, had yes. ever seen any kind of, I mean, it's Penhurst has been on a number of paranormal shows. Sure. Um, Just about every. A lot of bad things place. happen there, and <laughs> and uh, to people that really couldn't protect themselves, and um, there were a number of people that were uh, that died there and that were killed, uh, and so. No, always a place I had always thought I, w- I probably had never go, never get a chance to go to. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, it ended up being that we were going there, and that we were there for. Th- I was uh, basically I was locked inside for three days, um, on one of the floors by myself, and there was another person on the second floor, another person on the third floor of Mayflower Hall. We were in there for seventy-two hours, and they wanted us to see, like, you know, if we could survive it, and then. If we could capture evidence, yeah, that was basically the the gist of the show and and the pilot. And I'll tell you, it was a heck of an experience. I could talk about it now because I'm way past my 18 months, <laughs> and uh, the, you know all those things I signed. But it was, uh, you know, I, nothing that's ever going to come out. Uh, I don't think um, on TV, but it was it was just a. I can't really explain. It, it was just. You know, especially being locked in a place like that for right. three days, it's kind of just. I was trying to explain it to somebody, uh, and it's you know you kind of get flashbacks, and you're like, you know, you yeah. feel the feels you felt, you know, like you feel you take yourself back to, you know, just walking around during the daytime when, when we're not shooting as much, and I'm just you know trying to keep myself warm and. And uh, and just to walk around and not go crazy, and I feel like a patient myself when yeah. I'm there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I never really thought of it like that, like before until you just mentioned it. Like you kind of and then when the, like you were there for that yeah. amount of time, like sure, going, you, kind of going stir crazy a little bit like that. And could you imagine that? And that on was a three days, right? That for was, them, that's, yeah. Right. And then you're kind of dreading when the when the night is when when the dark is coming. Right, so it's like the daylight's going. You're losing the light it's now within the building dark, slowly, and now yeah. you're just in this complete darkness, and all you have is flashlights. Yeah, you know, and your cameras. So it's just, it really, it's a, it's a pucker point right there. Yeah, you know what absolutely. I mean? It really got bad, and it, in certain times of the day, it was more, you know, you could hear moans and groans, and you could hear disembodied voices. 
Uh, you hear people running at you down the hallways at random times. It, it would be in the day. It would yeah. be at nighttime. It would be in the basement. It would be on the first floor. Wow. Um, you know, it was just a very active place. And another one of those places where it just feels really heavy, you know, yeah. um, like a Gettysburg or like sure. a Normandy, uh, Omaha Beach or Waverly Hills or yeah. something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? So it was an experience and, um, yeah, it was fun. And, uh, it, I don't, I think I learned a lot about myself yeah. <laughs> and about what it takes to make a TV show right so it was just yeah. it was interesting I was gonna Met say do you, do, you feel, do you feel like doing that gave you a appreciation for these shows or do you think that it like oh, for sure yeah okay that's what I was wondering I, I don't know I feel like yeah. it could go either way though it could almost have you appreciate it more or you could come away being like wow yeah. oh, this is you know well it's a lot of work first for like the people for like well as they wanted to, it was kind of more like a self-filming yeah mm -hmm. so we had to do a lot of the the film we had two cameras I always had to carry a long shot camera and my mounted in my fanny pack camera around me all the time yeah constantly changing batteries you're constantly trying to make sure you have you know SD cards are changed and all that good stuff and trying to gather evidence trying to investigate my way you know everybody I think everybody kind of had a different style yeah you know but I was trying to be respectful and trying to communicate with people and bringing objects that um people with a more childlike mentality might like to interact with things that light up lit up like the cat balls and the and the REM pod uh REM pods and the we have a REM pod dog stuffed dog that has yeah. a REM pod built into it so yeah. if they would come and pet the dog it would set off the REM pod inside his nose would light up and his collar would light up and you know they loved playing with that I had that go off all the time and uh you know it I didn't feel really scared at any point. It was just, it was just a lot. Yeah. It was a lot to take on. I it's think it's a lot, a lot of emotions. A lot of emotions there. Like you felt like all the emotions of everybody that was there. That's what I felt like. I was just mm -hmm. so drained, and I was like, by the second day, I almost tapped out because I was like, you know, I don't know if I can do this for another night because yeah. I'm like exhausted. Yeah. You don't really sleep. No. And. Uh, it was cold, you know. It was sleeting and snowing, and there's no heat in the building, and you know. So, yeah. But I won't say I wouldn't do it again. It was just I would sure. rather, you know. And it was just be by myself. I would rather do something where, like, you know, my team could be together, and we could show like how we are on a regular investigation, and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, we take things seriously, and then it, and then we can also, you know, cut jokes sometimes and interact. Yeah. Because you know, but like I said, it was cool. That was cool. It was scary. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. That was cool. So yeah. I'm just gonna quickly just throw it out there, probably for like our last fun question, just because I know you're kind of big. Well, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, kind of introducing yourself, um, but how like you're into like Bigfoot, cryptid, ET, and everything oh, yeah. like that. So do you feel like there is some type of connection between all three, or do you yeah, think that they're all know. separate? No, I think they all, st for me, I think they all stay in their lane. Okay. 
you know, I think we just live in a giant universe, right? Mm-hmm. And a giant world. And I think, what, 70% of the ocean hasn't even been... Explored yet. Like, explored yet. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's probably things down there we don't even know. Probably um, that we don't want to know probably, either. <laughs> sure. Probably giant, giant monsters down there, like kaiju or something, right? Yeah. Um, the deeper you go, the uglier it gets. Yeah, right. <laughs> um... No, but I think you know I you know I, and I kind of understand like what pe- how people are trying to piece things together. But I think when you're when you're dealing with the supernatural, I think I, I don't know logically in my mind, I think I see Bigfoot as a flesh and blood great ape, right? And yep. It's just super smart and is like the ninja of the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe they can like you know become invisible, and I don't believe that they can like teleport. Uh, or or if that or they're an ET, but I just you know my my theory and talking with people like when Jeff Meldrum was here at the crypto cryptozoology conference in Portland, mm-hmm. I had to talk to him for like an hour, and you know like him I think it's just a great ape you know that's how it's how it's still around and why it hasn't been discovered. I think it's just super intelligent, you know, and I think. I agree. But yeah. there's been so many sightings, you know, over decades of time, probably hundreds of years, mm-hmm. um, that there's people are seeing something, right? Same thing with, like, UFOs. Like, I feel like, obviously, with the disclosure thing that's happening right now, it's kind of weirding me out because, <laughs> you know, uh, e- ETs, and they, they kind of scare me more than ghosts. So, uh but people are seeing something, fighter pilots are seeing something, you know, and they're talking about it now, and it's kind of getting weird, um, getting very X-Files out there right now, so <laughs> I think, you know, the truth is out there, right, so um, I think at some point we're going to find out, and I think people are going to deal with it one way or the other, you know. Yep. Yeah, we are going to get the hard truth sooner or later. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and then with spirits, I think, you know. I don't know, I think we live in a spiritual world. I think there's obviously, for everything I've experienced, there's life after death, and with my with my faith, I believe that as well. And um, we all have a different walk, we all have a different faith in our group, and, um, and uh, but everything I've experienced and everything I, choose, I, I believe in is that we do live in a spiritual world, and I, in, and I think, you know, stuff happens all the time where people find that out, you know, and they have their aha moment. And it's fun when somebody who's a non-believer has that, you know. Right. I love seeing those <laughs> experiences. Seeing that, yeah, like, you just being like, what? Yeah. Seeing them turn, yeah. seeing them start that path. And, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, Luke, right. one more question from us. Um, and, you know, I, I just – I'm curious because I'm sure it's different for everybody. But what is – what is it that, A, keeps you going – in this field and B if you had to give yourself a goal like what is your ultimate I don't want to say end game but what, what is the ultimate thing that you are trying to reach is it is it just documentation is it a level of self uh, awareness uh, what, what's the long term goal for you and, and what's the plan I think it's just um, you know I don't really know if I have a goal I think it, my, my goal has been this whole time just to um just to prove to myself what I experienced growing up and throughout my life has been real because mm-hmm. it was very real to me you know yeah 
and I think we're all on that journey. Like I said, everybody got into this for one reason or the other, and I think we're all just trying to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't really know if I have an, an end game. I think um, even Thanos really didn't have an end game, but um, <laughs> 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 shameless comic nerd plug. Uh, no, but what else, you know, I don't know if I'll ever stop. You know, I'll stop when I've, I'll probably stop when I've moved on myself, sure. you know, and then maybe somebody will catch chat you. with me sometime. Right. Yeah, before I'll catch I you with head a, up to the pearly gates. I'll catch you, I'll catch you with a spear box. box. <laughs> that's, that's the only way you, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Oh, you know, that's the only way you can communicate once you pass over. I don't, I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> might be a while well Luke we super appreciate you taking some time to get with us Um, you know thank you on so many levels for this for bringing us aboard and letting us be a part of what you guys do and and, you know we're super grateful for you your team um, and all the help you've provided us with things so uh, we just thank you so much for hanging out with us and getting to share some of your story I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, it's been it's been fun chatting. And uh, you know, hopefully, this hasn't taken down the uh, listenership. Oh. oh my god! Uh, I see no, 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 no. Already. Uh, <laughs> and Richie and Melissa, it's been a great it's been a great time with you guys. <laughs> oh, Luke. Lucas, Lucas, awesome man. Uh, all right, guys. Well, uh, as always, yeah, thank Richie you guys for. Oh, that'll oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we will see you in two weeks. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care.